0: So we're going to read from God's Word this morning and we're going to read from Luke chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 39 down to verse 45. In this Christmas series we're going to be thinking about a Christmas song. Don't worry, I'm not going to be singing my sermons at you. That's not what we're doing. But we're going to look at some of the different songs that we find around the the birth of Jesus and actually learn uh, about his character and and God's plan through them. So this morning we're going to look at Elizabeth's song uh, and we'll find that in Luke chapter 1, verse 39 down to verse 45. Let's read God's word together. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Amen. Let's unite our hearts in prayer once again. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us. We thank you that your word never returns to you void. Lord, we pray in this day and this age where many are looking to go with the thought of the day, would you help us to be a people that stand in your word and who read it, who preach it, and who live it thank you for your goodness towards us. thank you that in your word you've revealed yourself to us. And Father, we pray this Christmas, this Advent, that as we spend time now looking around the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, would you speak to us afresh, we pray. Lord, we know that many of us have heard the Christmas story many, many times, and there's a danger to try and, uh, Lord, make it sound... um, you know, more, more entertaining to try and, you know, beat the buzz of last year. But Lord, we just want to return to the heart of the Christmas message and be drawn closer to our Savior. Lord, we thank you that your love is shown to us and that you sent your Son into this world to save wretched sinners like me. Lord, we pray for the boys and girls as they go down to practice their nativity for a few weeks' time. Lord, we pray for the teachers. Would you grant them patience? Lord, we pray that as the boys and girls learn the Christmas story again, would seeds be planted in their hearts? Jesus, we thank you for your heart and your love towards children. Thank you that theirs is the kingdom of heaven and that we need to enter it like them. So Lord, be with us, continue with us and bless us, we pray. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I, I honestly can't believe that it is the start of Advent already this morning. I, this, I used to hear people say that it just, as you get older, it gets quicker and quicker every year. And I'm starting to believe that. Because it only feels that yesterday that we were me and the small tech team were in this empty sanctuary by ourselves. Uh, preaching and doing services for those who are at home watching. But it's so lovely to be able once again, to gather together as church family at this time. And as I said, we're going to spend the next kind of uh, few weeks looking at Christmas, uh, the, a Christmas song, and we're going to spend uh, four Sundays, uh, five Sundays, sorry, between now and just the, the 26th, um, looking at the five songs that surround the birth of Jesus Christ. And as, as I was preparing this, what, what came to mind is uh, one of my favorite psalms. Many of you know that I love It's Psalm 40, about waiting for the Lord our God and patiently to bear. But then it goes on, it says, And he put a new song in my mouth, or God to magnify. Many, many shall see it and shall hear, and on the Lord rely. And actually, that's exactly what we see working here, is these new songs as the Lord was drawing close to his people uh, in the birth of his son. That actually he placed new songs, songs of hope in his people's mouth. And as we look at these five songs, we're going to look at the song of Elizabeth this morning. We're going to look at next week the song of Mary, one that's very, very famous, the Magnificent. Then a couple of weeks' time we'll look at Zechariah. It's called as prophecy, but actually it's in the it's in the phrase of a, a song. And then we'll look at the the song of the angels as they announce the good news of Christ's birth. And then after Sunday, after Christmas Day, on the twenty sixth, we'll look at Simeon's song in the in the temple when he sees Jesus himself with his own eyes but actually as we look at these songs i don't want it just to be a history lesson for us but actually i want us to be drawn closer to our savior to the lord and actually as psalm 40 says that many shall see it and shall hear and on the lord rely that actually our reliance upon the lord becomes more and more as we spend time reading from his word and sitting under these incredible songs that, that that people sung as a response to the savior being born in this world does that sound okay yeah it's good let's see how we get on then so this morning we're going to look at elizabeth's song and uh, we read from verse 39 down to verse 45 but her song is we, we see it in verse 42 blessed are you among women this is her speaking to mary and blessed is the fruit of your womb and why is this granted to me that the mother of my lord should come to me For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Luke's Gospel begins with two births being foretold, two births being told to us that are going to take place. John the Baptist is the first one and then we're told about Jesus' birth as well. An angel draws to Zechariah, draws close to Zechariah and speaks to Zechariah about him and his his wife Elizabeth that they are going to have a son. And actually we we see that son being John the Baptist and that he's set apart. This is in Luke chapter one. He's going to be set apart to prepare the way for the, the one that would come. And then we see, later on in chapter 1, this other, um, this uh, Gabriel drawing close to, to Mary and speaking about this other birth that's going to take place, and it's the birth of Jesus. And both of these births happened in a miraculous way, and they both show the mercy and the power of God. John the Baptist's parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they were old, and Elizabeth was also barren. She could not have children. We read that in chapter 1 verse 7 that they could not have children because Elizabeth was barren and they were old. Friends, see when it comes to God, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. Where God wants to bring life, he will bring it. Even if it looks like it's impossible from our perspective, if it's his will, he will bring life in that situation. Whether that's in a barren womb whether that's in a virgin or whether that's in a tomb, God can bring life. He just has to speak because there's power in his word. We see that at the very beginning in Genesis when, when the, the, the Lord created the, the heavens and the earth uh, and uh, the earth was um, void and without, without form, and darkness covered the face of the earth. And what did we read? That, that God said, let there be light. And what was the result of his word? What was the result of his speaking? Light came. Let there be light, and there was light. Even in the darkest of situations, if God looks to speak his light into it, the darkness has to flee, because God's word is powerful, and it is active. And it is sharper than any double-edged sword. So even in the darkest of situations, even in situations that seem hopeless or seem impossible, all they need is a word from the Lord, a word from God spoken into them. We see that here with, with Elizabeth and Zechariah. She was barren. She couldn't have children. And all it had to happen was God speak. You're going to have a child. And what was humanly impossible, God made possible. What seemed like a hopeless situation for Zechariah and Elizabeth. God brought hope. And even in a tomb filled with Lazarus' body, he'd been dead for three days. Now he was proper dead. He wasn't just a wee bit dead. He'd been dead for three days. And what do we read? That Jesus spoke his name and said, Lazarus, come out. When God's word is preached and when God's word is heard, When God speaks, hope comes, life comes, light comes. Our God is a God who brings hope into hopeless situations, who brings light into the darkest of times, and who brings life where there is death. And that is what is at the heart of the Christmas message. This glimpse of hope that we'll see through Elizabeth's song. This glimpse of hope. This light to a people who walked in great darkness as Isaiah prophesies. And these two births that are being foretold are miraculous. But as great as John would be, Jesus was even greater. As miraculous as John's birth was, Jesus' birth was even more miraculous. And incredibly unique. John was called to prepare the way for the chosen one, and Jesus is the chosen one. John was filled with the Spirit while still inside the womb of his mother, whereas Jesus' very conception was because of the Spirit's miraculous activity within the Virgin Mary. John would be great, but Jesus is greater. So Mary is told that she's going to have a son, even though she's a virgin. But she's also told that your relative Elizabeth, who the barren one, that she's going to have a child. So we read in verse 39 that in those days, Mary arose and went with, uh, with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She went with haste the NIV kind of picks, uh, gets a really good um, feel for this verse, where it says that she got ready and hurried to go and see Elizabeth. There's a real sense of urgency in what Mary is doing here and, and, and I wonder why did she rush to go and see? Was it because uh, Elizabeth was already uh, six months pregnant and she wanted to see her relative pregnant before, uh, before she gave birth? Was it the sense of excitement that actually after all those years of trying that, finally Elizabeth and Zechariah were going to have a child themselves, even though that she had been barren? Or was it the outworking of Mary's faith and just wanting to catch a glimpse of the promise of God, that God was speaking into this situation? But whatever made her hurry, and as incredible as the encounter between them is, Part of what we need to catch the glimpse of here is the importance, and and, and Luke draws this out, the theological importance of the meeting of John the Baptist and Jesus, even though they hadn't been born yet, even though they were still in their mother's womb, that actually something miraculous and spiritual took place here. So Mary goes and she sees Elizabeth. And we're told that Mary greeted Elizabeth, which was right to do so. Because in that day, the custom would be that with Mary being younger than Elizabeth, it was right for her to to greet her. And often it was with a a level of respect the greeting would take place. But also, Elizabeth had some status as well because she was of the line of the Levites. But very quickly, this greeting um, kind of goes into the background a wee bit and and what begins to take the the center stage is Elizabeth's response to the greeting that Mary brought her. It isn't the words that come out of Mary's mouth that we're told about here but what we're told is, is about Elizabeth's response because of what took place within her womb. quite remarkable actually it's quite remarkable you see john the baptist as i said he was called and he was chosen to prepare the way for jesus verse 41 and when elizabeth heard the greeting of mary the baby leapt in her womb mary brings this greeting to elizabeth and As soon as she hears this greeting, John the Baptist, who is still in Elizabeth's womb, leaps. Now, I know, I mean, I had the the absolute privilege of being able to feel both of my children kick inside Becca's uh, tummy, womb, whatever you want to call it. But this isn't just, you know, a baby kicking and wriggling. There's something incredible taking place here. And we see that because of the response that it drives Elizabeth to. And actually because of it, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, we read. So when Mary spoke to Elizabeth, John the Baptist leapt within her womb. John the Baptist's calling was to go before Jesus. He was called and chosen to prepare the way for Jesus And a prophecy we see in Malachi chapter 3. Hopefully the words will appear on your screen before you. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. I will send my messenger, the Lord says to Malachi in this prophecy. Behold, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way. That is speaking about John the Baptist. Now, this prophecy that malachi it, it, that's recorded in Malachi is some about 400 years before John the Baptist's birth. He was called and chosen to prepare the way. That he would prepare the way for the one who would suddenly come. The one that they've been waiting for for thousands of years. God's promised child. And this is seen, this preparation is seen in John the Baptist's ministry, where he goes out into the wilderness and he, he preaches and about the kingdom of heaven being at hand and repent, he says, and he baptizes those who put their trust as well. But isn't it incredible? Isn't it quite remarkable? That even in this very moment, as Mary and Elizabeth converse, as they stand together, both pregnant women, standing talking, that even in that very moment, both of them carrying promised children, one who was great and one who would be even greater, as they stand together and talk, even in that very moment, that John the Baptist is already preparing the way for Jesus, that he's already pointing to the Messiah, even within his own mother's womb. That he alerts Elizabeth to the importance of the one whose presence she is standing in. This, is when she, this wasn't just any child that Mary was carrying. This was the promised one. And it's at that very moment that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit we read... The end of verse 41. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, at this, and it's because of that filling that she then exclaims. She is led to proclaim this beautiful song with a loud cry. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. As she and her unborn child... Come into the presence of the one who Mary was carrying. They're the first people to realize the significance of the child that Mary was carrying. The Messiah. The chosen one. The one they had been waiting for. And with a loud cry she exclaims some Christological understandings pointing to the, the, the importance of the one who Mary had. But whose presence they were in. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, for some of us, and when we hear this, especially if we've maybe come from a, a Catholic background, we, as soon as we hear this, we might automatically go to the Rosary prayer, which begins with, we see. Um, earlier on in Luke when the, the angel Gabriel comes and he brings greetings to Mary, greetings are hello or hail Mary, which is often one of the prayers that we find within the rosary prayer. Hail Mary, the favoured one or, or it's been kind of translated as full of grace. And then it goes on and it says, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That is exactly just picked from the passage we have just read. Now granted, there is later on within that prayer, there's, there's things that we would theologically disagree with and struggle with. And actually, I want to spend some time just teasing out some of, of what this prayer, this song, sorry, what this is. And it's important that when we read this, that we have to remember the context in which this song is recorded. This isn't a prayer that Elizabeth is praying to Mary. But this is a blessing she is speaking over her. It's a song that 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 from what's happened within her, that it is the overflow of her heart. And it's a blessing she speaks over Mary. It's not a prayer she prays to her. Now, I would say that we in the Protestant movement, who have disagreed with a lot of the view on Mary within Catholicism, that actually we have taken it to maybe an nth degree where some of our view towards Mary is maybe a wee bit unhelpful now. That actually we're, we disagree with a lot of what, how Catholic, Catholicism would view Mary. And actually, if we were honest, it's maybe led us to be a bit fearful of her. Even as soon as I said the rosary prayer and speaking of it, maybe maybe there's something within us. We're like, oh, I'm not sure. That's that's a bit close to the bone, Norman. But actually, these are just words from Scripture. Like I said, there's later on within that prayer, the rosary prayer, there's things that we would definitely disagree with. But the greetings and the song that, that Elizabeth sings, blessed are you. Blessed are you. We shouldn't be fearful of Mary because she is blessed. She was blessed to carry the Son of God. And actually, her faith was amazing. Let it be so was her response when the angel Gabriel spoke to her. Let it be so. But she shouldn't be worshipped because she's just human. And she shouldn't be prayed to because that's not what Elizabeth is doing here. But also, she shouldn't be discarded because she was mightily used by God in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Elizabeth doesn't worship her, she speaks a blessing over her. And that blessing, we will see, comes because of the one who Mary was carrying actually when we see this song although she's speaking about Mary the real focus on this is the one who Mary was carrying it's Jesus he is the focus here he is the only intercessor he is our only high priest and he is the only way to God the father he is the way the truth and the life and he is the one who Christmas is all about God incarnate Emmanuel god with us blessed are you among women elizabeth says and in jewish ideas a a woman's greatness a woman's greatness was measured by the greatness of the children that she bore now maybe we disagree with that in this day and age but that was how in in their day and age that was how a woman's greatness was viewed it was viewed by the the greatness of, of the children who you bore Mary, Elizabeth is saying, no other woman will ever have a child as great as your child. You are so blessed. No other parent will have a child as great as yours. Because your son is the chosen one. Your son is the promised one. Your son is the savior of the world. And the blessedness that Elizabeth speaks of here." Is because of the blessedness of the one that Mary was carrying. We see two blessings in verse 42. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And the the, the first blessing is, is subordinate to the second one. She's blessed because of the one who she was carrying. In her was not just any child, but the hope of the world, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, the the resurrection, the bright and morning star, the line of the tribe of Judah, the ancient of days, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the one who was promised to Eve all of those years before in Genesis chapter 3. The one who had been promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to to Moses, and to David, to everyone who had gone before. This promise, this hope, this glimpse of hope that one day we will see light. Even those who are walking in great darkness, there's a light coming. And here we have, even between Malachi and Matthew, those 400 years of silence. That was the promise that God's people were holding on to. The hope that they had was one day a Savior will come. Someone will come. And in God's perfect timing, His plan of redemption was about to be unleashed in this world so that those who walked in darkness could see a great light the promised one, the Messiah. The Savior of the world, the one who Mary was carrying in her womb. No wonder Elizabeth called her blessed. Not because of anything to do with Mary and how great she was, but because of the greatness of the baby she would bear. And this proclamation: blessed is the fruit of your womb should bring us back to Genesis chapter 3. And this is God speaking just after sin has entered into the world. And he speaks to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Here we have... That's the first glimpse of the gospel after sin has entered into the world. And here we have it about to come to fruition. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Elizabeth says. Do you know how long the people had waited between this promise that was given about the the offspring of women in Genesis 3 to the song that Elizabeth is singing? Scholars would say there's some 4,000 years 4,000 years of waiting and hoping and praying and longing, crying, wondering what is happening. But Friends, God is faithful and his timing is perfect. And Elizabeth announces two blessings, as I said. The first, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And the first blessing is completely subordinate to the second. She is blessed among women only because of the blessing that was found within her womb. And again we think of the promise that Abraham Abraham received from God. Even through when, when God was speaking to Abraham and Sarai who also couldn't have children. Where God promises Abraham a son. And he says, through you all peoples of the earth will be blessed. Here we have that promise again. About to come to fruition. About to be birthed. And Elizabeth asks this question. This question of humility. And why am I granted this? Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Who am I? Elizabeth asks. Who am I to stand in the Lord's presence? Who am I? Friends. Friends who are any of us that God should draw close to us and make his dwelling amongst us thank the Lord it's not dependent upon us but it's his mercy towards us and we see where Elizabeth attention is here it's about the Lord it's about the Lord her eyes are on the Lord And this title that Elizabeth uses is really important because within it, it's the Greek kind of rendering or or, or how they would uh, maybe translate Yahweh. So this is a massive, massive title that Elizabeth has just bestowed upon the one who Mary was carrying. And we go back to Malachi chapter three and and, and it says that I will send my messenger before, not before someone I'm going to send, or or not uh, some chosen one, but God says he will prepare the way before me. It was always God's plan to come himself, because he knew that we couldn't do it in and off ourselves, but he would step down and he would become Emmanuel, God with us. And her eyes are opened with this grace that awakes within her. With the Holy Spirit prompting her and moving her. And her response is, my Lord. Oh, that God would open our eyes. That those of us who haven't catched a glimpse or caught a glimpse of, of who this one is. Who we speak about at Christmas. Jesus Christ. That we would be brought to the place where our response and our testimony would be through the activity of the Holy Spirit within us. My Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord. And what is so important for us, and, and often misunderstood, is that in this, in all the songs that we will see, that they are adoration directed towards, not individuals, but directed towards God himself. And this leaping that is brought forth within Elizabeth's womb. This leaping that we see, my baby leapt within my womb. Verse 44. Again we see this indication of the importance of the one who Mary was carrying. And again we'll turn back to Malachi chapter 4. And again we see this, I think we see this beautiful promise of, of this both of these promised children present within Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. And this is 400, some 400 years before what we've been reading in Luke's gospel this morning. But for you who fear my name, God says, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Son of righteousness with healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And that leaping like calves from the stall. What it is capturing is the sense of joy. That would be brought up within God's people. Because of the son of righteousness. And the healing that is in his wings. And isn't it true. That it is by his stripes. We are healed, Isaiah says. And this is what I struggle to comprehend most at Christmas time. He was born to die. That's why God sent him. He was born to die, to stand in my place. In my place, condemned, he stood. Can you say that this morning? Because if you can't, God by His grace and His mercy is knocking on the door of your heart saying, let me in. Be healed by my stripes. Experience the restoration that the Son of Righteousness has with the healing in its wings. And is joy not at the heart of the Christmas story. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth Receive her king. Joy to the world. Why don't we say joy to Sandy Hills? The Lord has come. Let Sandy Hills receive her king. Joy to you. The Lord has come. Wouldn't you receive your king this morning? The promised child. And as you receive him, would you experience the restoration and the healing that he alone can offer? And again this morning, he draws close to you by his spirit. Saying, receive my healing. Receive my restoration. Receive my joy. Receive my love. Receive my peace. Mary is blessed not because of anything she has done. But in verse 45, we read... And blessed is she who believed. It's not through any works. It's through her faith in God's spoken word. You've believed what you've heard. And there'll be fulfillment to it. And again friends, don't miss the key to unlock the sovereign promises of God that are found within his word. The key to God's promises are not works, but faith. Believe. And receive. It's as simple as that. And it's always been by faith. By faith, Abel. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith, Mary believed what the Lord said to her. And we see, just as we'll see in a few weeks time, when we look at Zechariah's song. We see this massive contrast between Mary and Zechariah. Zechariah questioned what the Lord said. He didn't believe it. What's Mary's response? Chapter 1 verse 38. I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be. Let it be so. Basically she's saying, Amen. Amen. Oh, that the people of God in this day and this age. Oh, that the church in this day and this age. Would take God at his word and we would say, Let it be so. Let it be so, Lord. Amen. Let's draw close to the Lord in prayer once again. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you, Lord, that in your word, find life as the disciples said to Jesus to whom else shall we go for you alone hold the words of eternal life God we thank you for sending your son into this world we thank you for choosing Mary we thank you for her witness towards you for the faith that she demonstrated in you And Lord, she was blessed because of the fruit of her womb. But Father, thank you because of the gospel that we too can be blessed by the fruit of Mary's womb. Because Jesus, you are fully God and fully man. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And you have opened up the way. And as Malachi 4 says, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Jesus, we thank you that you were born to die. That in my place condemned you stood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Lord, let it be so. Amen. Amen. We're going to